Well, here we are now, moving into the month of May and not the best April in Chicago Cubs history. 9-13 and 13 as we get ready to open up podcast number 67 uh, behind the yellow line. we got a full crew here tonight. Jeremy Spector's in the house. Randall J. Sanders is here. And we want to talk about that month of April for the Cubs. Certainly recap the most recent road trip. Six games, three in Atlanta, three in Milwaukee, two wins for the Cubs coming back home. Big homestand here too. White Sox in for two. Dodgers in for three, including Sunday night baseball. That's Randall's favorite. We've got Cubs weather from the man himself at Cubs weather. Alexander Hall giving us the forecast here. We've got some Cubs roster moves, some changes here as they reduce the roster side going into May. Uh, It was my birthday last week, and I'm going to let Randall say all these wonderful things about me for my birthday, but I did some Cubs numbers related to my birthday that I want to share with everybody. And um, also want to let you know that our full interview with Alexander Hall is going to be going live a little bit later this week. So enough of me. Lots to talk about on that front. Jeremy Randall, good to see you both here. Monday night, the first Monday in May. Not the best April, though, of Cubs baseball, Jeremy. The Cubs finished the month 9-13, and five and a half games behind first place Milwaukee. No, there was some disappointment there, obviously, with, uh, you know, but uh, this past week against some tough teams, the Braves and the Brewers, some, you know, I, they didn't have, obviously have a good road trip. They went two and four, but, uh, you know, there was some talk. Maybe they'd go winless and they pulled off two wins. They played tight in some other games, some other games they did not play well at all. But, uh, you know, I, I'm coming off the high of the win yesterday, so I'm going to be optimistic. It was a nicely played game yesterday, so I'm going to go in off the high. And start this month of May well. Yeah, you know, the, this Cubs team has a lot of issues. One thing they don't seem to do a whole lot of is win ugly. It feels like all the wins have been really tidy, really pleasant, and really fun to watch. All nine of them uh, against the 13 losses. So I don't know what that's worth exactly. But uh, yeah, no, I didn't have them winning a game in that Brewers series. And so they surprised me not just by winning a game, but by winning the, uh, the Corbin Burns start. So go figure. Uh, you can't predict baseball. Well, I, I do have one question go before ahead. we go. Uh, Ronan, since it was your birthday last week, and yes, go over it. How are you feeling now that you're in the year of the Randall Simon? Oh, it's, uh, it's good and bad. Uh, on one hand, I panicked a little bit when I saw that I'm getting closer to 40 than I was to 30. And it's jarring. It's jarring. Bit, right? We're not, we're not young pups anymore. No, we are not. Uh, on the other hand, I'm feeling really good because I don't have COVID anymore. And yeah. I felt really bad the last couple of times we've been recording, but not to get overly dramatic or anything, but I kind of came out of COVID here a little rejuvenated, right? Like I'm feeling good. My health is overall in better shape. Had an awesome weekend, a couple of concerts. I got two more this week. So I'm out there living. I'm doing stuff. I feel very fortunate to have my health. Feel like it's kind of a wake up call when you get a bit of a COVID, like, yeah, you know, you could lose a little bit of weight. You could be exercising a little bit more, try to be better prepared for things in the future that could be coming. But uh, overall, very good. And for the Cubs to win an extra inning game, a game that I didn't think they were going to win, it was just icing on the top of the cake. And I got some good birthday stuff coming up a little later in the show. But thank you, Jeremy. And uh, yes, me and Randall are close and we're eyeing you. You're next here in June. So uh, let's make sure that's a big party at the beginning of June. Yeah, go Cubs. Hopefully they can pull off a win. Yes. Well, I want to start with one thing negative, and then I'm with you, Jeremy. I want to be positive for a little bit here. Um, April, 409 winning percentage. That is a 66-win team. So 
let's hope it gets better from here and let's hope this team wins more than 66 games. But let's start with optimism because we don't want to be negative. If we do that, this could be a very long summer for all of us here. Marcus Stroman, he gets one win and one loss on the road trip, but even the loss in Atlanta to open up that difficult road trip, six innings, two runs, three strikeouts. He comes back Sunday against the Cy Young winner and goes seven shutout innings. This is the Marcus Stroman we've been waiting for and expecting. And yeah, it took a couple of starts for him to kind of get it right, but he's looked real good the last two times out. And that is a very, very good thing that we're willing to celebrate. Yeah. For, I, I think yesterday he pitched very well. I think you, uh, I think uh, it was his best start of the year, obviously. I think, you know, I think it was really I'm mean, the, the game in Atlanta. Yeah. The numbers look kind of good, but I, I, I still think he kind of struggled a little bit there. I think it was kind of his best since maybe those first four innings he pitched in his first start, you know, um, before giving up that run uh, of the season. And I, if we were getting the Marcus Stroman that pitched like that, because, I got to kind of say it. Marcus Stroman, unfortunately, has been bad so far in April. And Kyle Hendricks had been bad. And you're getting pitching from Mark Leiter Jr., who has been bad. And you're getting pitching from Justin Steele, who maybe has been good for two or three innings, but hasn't been able to make it through. So you, if you can get that Stroman back on track and looking like he did yesterday, you can eventually get Hendricks hopefully back on track. You know, you can start to see some semblance of because some other things are coming together well. Bullpen's coming together well. So you really need to get Stroman, the guy you paid a lot of money to, to be, you know, top of the rotation, get him back on track. And I think yesterday on his birthday, he showed the guy you want him to be. And that's a good yeah. sign. Well, Marcus Stroman and Ronan O'Shea, something they have in common, rejuvenated and the Cubs win on their birthday. So that's something you can say you, you have in common with Marcus Stroman this year. It Is ends it, there. Yeah, it, it ends there. You've, you guys are like a, the meme photo. You got the African-American hand and the white hand clasping right there. You, one is you, one is Marcus Stroman. We, Cubs winning on their birthday. Yeah, that, that's fun, though. But it but it's fun watching him pitch. He's very athletic. Uh, defensively, he makes these awesome plays with the glove. It was getting tough, though, because he was having bad start after bad start. You know the pressure's there when you get that big contract. You're new to town. Very fun, though, Sunday. And to not just go up against the best team in the division and shut them down at home, but to go toe-in-toe with one of the best pitchers in baseball, a big moment there for him. And I'm happy that he was able to have that moment up at the AmFam. Yeah, and the Cubs have beaten Corbin Burns now twice. So, that, yep. I mean, talk what you will about the first month. That's a running Cy Young winner, and the Cubs beat him two times. So Now he's, you know, I, yeah, now he's I Corbin just, burned. Yeah, Corbin <laughs> burned. That is exactly um, right. What else can we celebrate here before we turn things and point out some of the other bad things? Patrick Wisdom, a couple of big bombs on that road trip. Uh, what else, Randall, has you a little bit excited about the Cubs right now? Well, if you think about it, both of those bombs – well, okay, one of those bombs was game-winning technically. Len Casper used to like to say that. He, if you The first run in a game that you win and never trail, technically the winning run. Uh, his, his home run in Atlanta wasn't the winning run, but it was sure big. Um, yeah, or maybe maybe it was the winning run. Yeah, yeah, no, okay, it was the run. it was the go ahead. So yeah, his two home runs were both go ahead home runs in wins. That's that's not nothing. And we had said it's possible that the bullpen ends up the strength of this team because you can you can piece together a bullpen with maybe some options that aren't that great on paper, jettison what doesn't work and keep what does. The bullpen has pitched very well, and they closed out the final two innings of that win in Milwaukee relatively drama free. Rowan Wick ran into some bad luck, some cheap garbage from Omar Narvaez. David Robertson at age 45 or whatever, calmly coming in <laughs> and, you know, getting four outs for the save. I don't know that I trust 
this bullpen, but I do know that they don't make me break out in hives as some past Cubs bullpens have. And I think that bullpen is going to continue as improve, to improve as you maybe weed out some of the chaff and replace those pieces with better pieces from the minor leagues. So the, the bullpen has started to come together. And, you know, it's unfortunate that maybe that's probably just going to lead to a lot of those guys getting traded off at the deadline. But, you know, it's, it's still nice to have for right now. I was going to say, I think David Robertson has pitched fantastically. Yeah. So far this year, unfortunately, there hasn't been a lot of situations for him to come into, but he does have five saves already this year. And that's, you know, if he can keep pitching, well, that somebody's going to want that dude. Like, yes. he, he's, he's going to be a trade piece in the, in, in the midseason. And it, it hasn't been flukish. He's gotten a lot of strikeouts. Uh, he, he's, he pitched 1.1 yesterday with three strikeouts, one walk, came in in a situation in the ninth and the eighth inning, excuse me, pitched very well. And so I, 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 I think with this bullpen, like we've seen kind of the highs and the lows of it, but I think when they've been in a position where they've been winning a ball game, they put their best guys out there. They've showed they could kind of hold. Now, when we've seen some of the bottom of it, they've come out in situations where, you know, they're already down five runs, whatever, starting pitching didn't go well. They have to put a guy out there and they've gotten shelled. And some of the bottom of the bullpen has not been well, but we're losing two guys, you know, this roster's expanded. And so I agree with you guys, the top uh, bullpen. And I do think, and not just go off a little bit, but we would be remiss mentioning as something that's positive. I think we should mention as well as that came out today. It was, we did have the NL rookie of the month, say a Suzuki. Uh, so that obviously was a very big positive in my opinion. National League new new face new face of yes, the month the monthly, monthly new, new face award the monthly new face award exactly <laughs> now auto auto translate uh, maybe going a little off the rails there um, but yeah David Robertson you know he doesn't throw that hard anymore he sits ninety two ninety three but he's got that great curveball he's been throwing it down in the zone guys are swinging over the top of it trying to check their swing they can't they swing at the ball in the dirt and yesterday he struck out McCutcheon on that great tight curveball that came right back into the zone for called strike three to end the ball game so you know David Robertson veteran guy when you don't throw as hard as you once did you've got to have that great secondary pitch and that curveball has done really good work for him this year and to add on to that the curve uh one thing jd mentioned yesterday was he's able to really kind of shape the pitch to his needs in the situation like he's kind of a, he it's he can throw it differently when it's like a get me over pitch i need a strike and to when like okay now it's a put away pitch i'm i'm trying to get a swing and a whiff and he's able to shape the pitch differently and that's kind of a, uh, a key thing for him and how he's been able to, you know, pitch and be effective. And he's been a really, he's been really good for the Cubs. Like he's pitching yeah. like, da- I'm not going to say David Robinson old necessarily, but he's pitching like a legitimate back end uh, piece that teams would want if they're trying to compete. Yeah. And there's something rejuvenating or cool about seeing an older player who really hasn't done anything in the league since 2018 having a resurgence there's like a a cool collective like this calm that these older players have he's been in the league for 14 years he's been an all-star he's played for the new york yankees like the guy's done about everything that you can do and now here he is trying to get the last year or two years or three years of his career and he's out there doing it i just find that to be very satisfying it's fun watching it the only sad thing is in the back of my head going well damn this means He's not going to be on the team in two months instead of thinking, wow, what if we get to see him pitch in October for the Cubs, right? That's a little bit of a bummer with this, but it's very neat to see a guy like that having success when a lot of people wrote him off three years ago. This guy's done. He's not done. And he looks like a big league, big time pitcher again. Yeah. You know, coming off of Tommy John surgery 
at an advanced age like that, you know, it took him a little bit of time. Like, like you said, he kind of last was 20, 20, when he had the Tommy John surgery, he was struggling with the Phillies. And that was probably the reason was, you know, his elbow was blown and it took him a little bit of time. He ended up pitching in the Olympics last year uh, in the 2021 Olympics in Japan, but the Rays saw him pitch in the Olympics for team USA. And they, he was one of the older guys on the team. Most of them were kind of minor leaguers. And they said, look, he's pumping pretty good. And the Rays took a chance on him to the end of the season into the playoffs. And now it's nice to see a guy like that. As you say, he's, he's here trying to come back after a couple of years of time, off of Tommy John establish himself back into the league and he said that the Cubs and specifically Jed were very aggressive at trying to get him. Like they were very aggressive. And eventually he, they almost kind of wore him down where he was just like, okay, I'll sign with you guys, you know? <laughs> and it's nice to see him have success. And that's even funnier when you remember that David Robertson represents himself. He negotiates his own contracts. So, you know, the Jed, Jed and Carter weren't beating down the door to his agent. They were on with him directly trying to convince him to come to the Cubs. And finally he decided, fine, I'll, I'll negotiate my contract with you. Just, just get off the phone. Uh, it's important to remember that David Robertson was traded by the White Sox back to the Yankees with Todd Frazier, who, uh, you know, according to some briefly the best third baseman in Chicago, depending on who you ask. He's so great that they got rid of him uh, a full four years before the Cubs did. So it's always fun to look at a guy who's been in the league for as long as Robertson is having made his, major league debut all the way back in 2008 and kind of see, you know, who's, who has he been traded for in his time? And that's, that's a name that pops up. He was traded with Todd Frazier again, briefly the, the best third baseman in Chicago, according to some. Randall always has those nuggets. He holds grudges. Randall holds grudges. I do hold grudges. (laughs) My, my petty is like a cicada. It will hibernate. It will go underground. And then years later it will pop out and start screeching in confusion. So I, I don't deny that at all. I do hold grudges, and my petty is long-lived. Someone slighted Chris Bryant six years ago. Randall's on it. Yeah, he remembers. He doesn't forget things. He nope. doesn't forget that. He's like an um, elephant. Doesn't well, forget. here's something that has frustrated me in the last week, the Chicago Cubs offense. So they closed the month of April. I mentioned 9-13 and 13 overall. The run differential, zero. Big part of that, that 21 to nothing victory over Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago. Tough stretch, though, on this road trip. The last game in Atlanta, three hits and a 5-1 loss. The next day, the first game in Milwaukee, again, just three hits, uh, 11-1 the loss. And then Saturday night, they lose 9-1. The Cubs struck out 15 times in that loss. We have seen feast or famine with this team, but there were some stretches here, admittedly against very good teams, where they were hopeless in the batter's box and the strikeouts are just piling up. This is entirely anecdotal, but I was thinking about it yesterday as uh, Frank Schwindel, among others, kept coming up with runners on. This is entirely anecdotal. I don't have statistical evidence for this. The 21 run game against the Pirates notwithstanding, it does feel like this team kind of has trouble delivering that death blow a lot of the time. They're, They're capable of scratching out that one run, two run. You know, with the bases loaded, they'll they'll hit the sack fly, they'll hit the RBI ground out. What they have trouble doing is they have trouble delivering that knockout blow, that hit that can take a game from two nothing to four nothing or five nothing or six nothing. And again, this is entirely anecdotal. Somebody probably looking at the you know the runners and scoring position stats and showing that the Cubs are at least good at driving in those runs, and they are, but they're not particularly good at the big inning. 
And again, this is entirely anecdotal. Somebody with better statistical inclination than myself could probably either say it better or prove that I'm a dumbass. I accept either outcome, regardless of which one it is. But that's just what it feels like watching sometimes. Or they're great at getting the one run or the two runs, but anything beyond that, they have trouble delivering that one big hit that can really put the game out of reach. Um, yeah, you're right, Randall. I haven't really looked at um, those numbers, but I kind of do agree with you anecdotally. They they do feel like they've been in some spots where they've had a chance to really put a game out of hand, and they haven't been able to do that. Uh, I would say, you know, the Cubs did struggle, obviously, this past week. Off, you can't sugarcoat it. They weren't good. A lot of their numbers from even their best hitters went down because of this past week. But they were facing some really good pitching, both in Atlanta, yes. both in uh, Milwaukee. Unfortunately, I thought they would hit Eric Lauer a little more, and they did not hit Eric Lauer really at all. So that was kind of disappointing, though, that big K game, you know, and on Saturday night. Uh, but, you know, you guys mentioned, uh, or Ronan, you specifically might have mentioned this last week, uh, you know, Nick Madrigal uh, as a guy who – had been struggling. And I, 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 last week, I think I said like, you know, the way he's been playing, I'm kind of concerned about his strikeouts, but I think he's been okay. But this past week, I, it kind of put, put some doubt in my head as to maybe he needs to figure it out somewhere, you know, maybe go down to Iowa. He still has an option, figure it out. Uh, he had a three strikeout game, which for Nick Madrigal is like yeah. unheard of. Um, He hasn't really quite, you know, been in it. And I still kind of have faith in him. I've never thought he'd be a star. I never thought he'd be like an elite player, but I've always thought he'd be a productive guy, a productive second baseman, a guy, you know, he's going to you know, get on base a little bit and he's going to be able to provide some things. And I thought, you know, for a half a month or excuse me, half a year, Craig Kimbrell, I thought that was a pretty good deal just to get out of. But yeah, I'm a little skeptical of that of Nick. So I, I am worried about that for the rest of it. There's a lot of guys on this team that I actually think are, are, showing pretty well they haven't quite gotten all the results but say uh i know he's gone down a little bit but he has i think wilson and ian happ are having decent seasons so far they've both provided you know patrick wisdom kind of went off a slow start and he's kind of really picked it up and nico horner i think is showing he could be a legitimate player so maybe if madrigal goes down he plays second if simmons ever comes back and alfonso rivas the guy we've all been you know clamoring for i think that guy deserves way more playing time I would love to see Alfonso Rivas out there more and more often. Just please know Jonathan VR at shortstop. That's all I ask. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned Ian Happ, a quick aside. Apparently he got engaged today. So oh. good good for Ian Happ. It's good to know at least one Cub will get a ring out of this season. Very productive off day, too. Uh, you yeah. know, you start the off day thinking, all right, day off, end it, engaged. Yeah, good for him. That's very, very cool. Um, one other thing on April, the Cubs were not shut out. In April, I thought that was worth noting for as frustrating as this offense has been. They've scored at least one run in each and every ball game. My favorite random, obscure, who gives a shit stat in Cubs history, 2001 Chicago Cubs were never shut out. I love that stat. I think that's awesome. I'll remember that to the day that I die. Nobody shut out the 2001 Chicago Cubs and the 2022 Chicago Cubs at least scored in every ball game in April. So that's it. Will, it that will be your epitaph, Ronan. It'll say that on your eventual tombstone many, many, <laughs> many decades from now. Uh, some might even say like a century or two from now. Here lies Ronan O'Shea. The two, 20, 2001 Chicago Cubs were never shut out. Yeah. Nobody ever shut out the, 20, the 2001 Cubs. <laughs> there you go. In quotes. I feel like Perfect. that should be the I quote. love that. Nobody ever but shut it's something out. that I look for, honestly, since that season – I always wait the inevitable day, you know, even good Cubs teams that score a ton of runs. You have that day where you're blanked by some, you know, Cincinnati Reds pitcher or some Pirates pitcher, not the 2001 Chicago Cubs. Though. Cole Hamels throws a no-hitter against you. 
Exactly. <laughs> exactly right. When you win 97 games. Get shut out. Uh, but not the 2001 Chicago Cubs and up to this point, not the 2022 Chicago Cubs. But they come home and frankly, the opponents don't get all that much easier. Two nights here in a row, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, the White Sox are in town for Randall's favorite BP Crosstown Cup. The most important games in the history of the world, Cubs-White Sox on a Tuesday night in early May. And then after another day off Thursday, three with the Dodgers, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, including a Sunday night baseball game, followed by a red-eye flight to San Diego to open up the first of a six-game road trip starting in San Diego. So let's start with the first opponent, although I think Randall's got something to say here first. He raised his hand. Now he's waving me off. He's waving you off. the White Sox. Jeremy, you've watched a lot of White Sox games this year. I feel like you and I are texting a lot, and you got the Sox game on. You and I both. They're not playing very good baseball right now. 9-13, and 13, a slow start here in what we know is a bad division. You said something the other day in the group chat that I wanted you to expand upon a little bit here. Let me know if I say this wrong. First off, yes, this is a team dealing with some injuries. No question about it. But this is a roster full of sort of unathletic guys who hit okay, but don't necessarily have a position in the field. And that hasn't ended up too well. Defense has been a real problem for the White Sox in the early going. Beefy. Yes. Beefy was the word he used. Beefy, okay. unathletic guys. I, I did say some big, beefy boys, the triple Bs. But is that a fair assessment that defense I, has really been a problem with the White Sox? It is a fair assessment. And I, I think we should put out beforehand, and you mentioned this, the White Sox have had a lot of injuries. And, you know, you still don't have Lance Lynn. Uh, Louis, uh, Louis Ro- uh, Robert missed a lot of time. He's just coming back. Aloy's out. Um, you know, there's been a lot of injuries. But the way this team is presently constituted, the current roster that's going out there every day, it's got issues. This is not the White Sox team. I, this team currently, as it's presently constituted, is not, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily like the division-winning team even of last year. Um, so, in my opinion – I, for this series, I don't want to be the Cubs, unfortunately. I don't want them to be like the team that gets this team hot, you know, because they've been struggling. And I, I we're not going to see Dylan Cease, who pitched really well today, pitched lights out against the Angels. But this is a team, you know, they've gone like 500 in their last six games after an eight-game losing streak. So it's not even really that they've really righted the ship yet. It's just been – they're kind of middling. So, like, I feel like this series we can kind of – we should be able to compete with the Sox – and they're going to be stuck playing Wrigley Field. As I said, some big, beefy boys are out there. You have Andrew Vaughn, who is not a left fielder, shouldn't be out there, but he's out there. You have Gavin Sheets, who's playing right. They have, like, an all-first-base outfield. You have Abreu, whose defense is kind of tanked this year. Tim Anderson's throwing the ball around. You have Jake Berger, who's made some nice plays, but I feel like he has some deficiencies in third. So, like, Yasmani Grandal has had issues throughout his career catching a baseball. He's a good framer, but when he catches it, he's had issues throughout his career. So... I think if the Cubs are a contact team right now, put the ball in play, make this team field against you. And I think that's going to be key to the series. That That is a really good key to the series, Jeremy, is put the ball in play against a team with defensive defensive issues. That's a, that's a really good insight. I don't think any discussion about the White Sox would be complete without mentioning the octogenarian fossil in that dugout, the, the colossal <laughs> lead weight around the ankle of that team. I, I don't know that the franchise, the franchise, I don't want to be too dramatic. I mean, they were ready to take that next step. They were spending money in free agency. You had a lot of young, exciting, fun talent ready to capture the, 
the, the hearts of a city that was kind of tired of the Cubs. And they made possibly the worst possible managerial hire for that group of players. And, you know, I, I'm not going to say it's going to set that franchise back years, but that that's a move that didn't match what that roster was ready to do. And that's the sort of thing that could really put a wrench into the so-called competitive window. And, you know, for my purposes, I get more entertainment out of them having done it than them having not done it. But I, I do sort of feel bad. Again, there's a roster ready to take that next step. And they chain themselves to this, this fossil sitting in the dugout. Uh, you know, we all know what Tony La Russa is, who he is and what he does. So I, I do kind of feel bad, but I feel like no mention of the White Sox and what they are as a team is complete without mentioning him because he, he does everything that he does. And I feel like we don't need to say more than that. All right. You know, I'm not going to lose any sleep over the White Sox. None. Not playing very well. Zero. Right? And I watch a lot of the Sox games and I, I they're interesting. I do think they're going to end up being the best team in the division. I think they're going to win the division. They're going to get in the playoffs. And then who knows what's going to happen at that point. But Randall, your broader point, they're not even just about their manager. Ownership is and has always been the problem on the South side. But this is year three where they've had a legitimate shot to go and try and win a World Series championship. And it's like they won't go for the kill. They won't go get that big player. How many more starts can they give Dallas Keuchel? Like, how can you put that guy back on the mound? You're trying to win a World Series championship. That guy's not helping anymore. At some point, you shake his hand, say, hey, man, thank you. Started off pretty good your first year in particular. You helped us get into the playoffs for the first time in a dozen years. But it's time to go because we're trying to win something and you are actively making us lose. I'm old enough to remember when Dallas Keuchel was supposed to be that roster's John Lester. The difference is that John Lester was actually good and helped the Cubs win things. Small, small difference. Well, well I, I, think- I, 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 I compared Keuchel to Lester. Uh, a couple of years ago in 2020 when he had that 199 ERA, but I was like, yeah, to me, he's kind of John Lester. And my comparison was because John Lester at that time was kind of over the hill. And I thought Keuchel, he's over the hill, he's getting by, but he's kind of over the hill and he's shown it the last two years. And I agree with you. Unfortunately, some of it hasn't been Keuchel's fault. I mean, Keuchel's been bad. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But there was a game against Cleveland a week ago where Keuchel pitched, got out of the first inning, or he should have gotten out of the first inning without giving up any runs. But White Sox behind him, just throwing the ball away. Berger throws in there. Anderson throws in there. Then, you know, they get into the second inning. Same thing. Bad defense. Next thing you know, Keuchel gives up eight straight hits. Uh, and and the, the the Guardians, excuse me, have put the ball or put the game out, out of hand. And uh, I actually follow a, a good uh, White Sox, not to, you know, promote so much White Sox stuff, but uh, uh, Jim Margulis runs a Sox machine on uh, uh as a blog and he i've always found him to be a pretty level-headed guy and he would say he kind of always says like the first 50 pitches of keiko you have to make you have to make the keiko if keiko's pitching you have to make the plays on the balls that you know the, the good the good contact as he would call it for in the minds of white so you have to make the plays on the good contact because when the bad contact comes and it's going to come like 50 pitches in you, you, you have to have already made those plays. If you're giving up making errors behind him, you're already putting yourself way behind the eight ball. So, you know, he struggled. And the Cubs are going to face a couple strikeout pitchers in Kopech and Giolito. So it, that's a little bit the, they're not putting, they're not going to be able to put the ball in play because they do have some flamethrowers. But if they're error, they are able to put the ball in play. And a guy like Wilson Contreras has good history against Giolito. Um, that, that would, I, I do think, you know, that White Sox defense right now, as constituted, it's not that good. Yeah, and no Eloy, who just tears the ball 
uh, anytime the Cubs play him, you know it's personal. Well, he also him. tears lots of other things in his body, oh, like his hamstrings. But, you know, he's he's yeah. been a Cubs killer, even in spring training. It's just nice that he's not going to be out on the field here because I'm sick of watching him hit towering mood shot home runs at Wrigley Field. Pitching matchups, though, Jeremy, to expand on what you said, Tuesday night, Kopech, uh, right-hander for the White Sox, Drew Smiley, the lefty going for the Cubs. He's been pretty good in his first couple starts as a Cub here. Lucas Giolito Wednesday night, Kyle Hendricks for the Cubs Wednesday night. So uh, Cubs are putting up two of their best pitchers here, and maybe that will keep them in these ball games against the Sox team that you know it's a little more personal when you play the Cubs, especially after the run the Cubs had the last half decade or so. You hope. Uh, you know, Drew Smiley, I, I, I think so far, if you're going to include all of April, I think Drew Smiley has been the Cubs' best starter through that time period. And you hope that Kyle Hendricks uh, gets it together facing the White Sox. He's been struggling a lot. Last start was not good. Um, but, you know, he's kind of sl- started slow in the past and, and gotten it together. So hopefully we're in May now. White Sox, Kyle Hendricks, you know, he can – he's pitched – He's had some good games against them, some bad games against them. Um, for, the one thing I am scared about, Smiley, is White Sox in the past have demolished left-handed pitching. And so that is a little bit cause for concern. I just have to say it, and, and it's funny I say this as we sit on the verge next season of the Cubs playing, I think, more games against the White Sox as their, their designated rival. You could take these games off the schedule. You could relegate them to, like, an every three-year rotation. And I don't think anything of value would be lost. The Cubs-Sox series is easily the worst four to six days of every season. I, I, if it, if it disappeared forever, I'd be okay with that. I, I disagree. And okay. I do think it gets overblown Chicago media in particular, you know, they, whatever I, I can avoid that easily where I live now. I think it's very cool that the Cubs and the White Sox get to play each other at least once a year. They don't need to play six games against each other. I'd be fine with a three game set one year. It's at Wrigley. The next year it's on the South side to go back and forth for how long those teams never played each other. It's better for Major League Baseball that the Mets and the Yankees play each other, the Cubs and the White Sox, the Bay teams out in Northern California, the two L.A. teams. I think that's great. So I like it. I enjoy it. But I can avoid a lot of the nonsense that I think irritates you, Randall. The, the two BP Florida teams. Cup, the, right, <laughs> like the BP Cup. The the Wintrust. The Wintrust yeah. Crosstown Classic. All that stuff. I can avoid that. It's just kind of fun. Cubs and the White Sox. It's a cool thing for the city. And – I think fans should be able to enjoy that, right? Yeah, you're going to talk smack with the White Sox. Any reasonable fan will recognize that these three games are not the three most important games of the year for either team. The Cubs are focused on Milwaukee. Cubs are focused on St. Louis. But for three days, you play the team across your city, have some fun with it. The fans fight with each other. Hey, I think that's a good thing. And I would I would think it would be bad for baseball if that went away. You mentioned the reasonable fans because it's the unreasonable fans, the not reasonable fans. This is their, I'm going to make a second cicada reference. This is when those cicadas jump out of the ground and start screeching. You play it once a year. It's a three-game series. You play one day game at Wrigley, one night game at the guaranteed rate cell ballpark. And then game three, you play four and a half innings at Wrigley, okay. four and a half innings. You get on a bus mid-game. Oh, no, you get on like the L. Your... Yeah, exactly. Get on the L. Perfect. You, you rent out an L car. You put the players no, on the No, don't rent the out. You get on with the normal. Yeah. Okay, even better. Even Full better. Experience. Make, it, make it a real red line classic. You know, you call it call it like the fifth inning stretch, the, the fifth inning L stretch. Have the, have the teams walk right out right field at Wrigley and jump right onto the red line and, and go down to uh, – go down to the South side. That's how you should play the series. That's how you should play the series every year. 
yeah, I, I to me, I, I always enjoy it. I, I've, I've, when they first announced interleague and, and played in 97, I always wanted to be at those games. And I'm actually going to look, you know, I don't have tickets yet, but Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm going to be all, all day, each, each one of those days, like trying to figure out what the best way to get into the ballpark is. Oh yeah. Um, You'll be in there. I love, I love being out there. Uh, but you know, I, well, AJ Przinsky, right. That kind of, that kind of Michael Barrett, that kind of threw the whole flame on, on it even more, but I always enjoy it. I, I, you know who I miss really. And I miss, and I was, I wish was around right now. Hawk Harrelson. I very much miss Hawk Harrelson. Whenever the Cubs played the White Sox, I used to always pop on at least for a few innings, the White Sox broadcast. I'd love to hear Hawk talk about the Cubs. I love, you know, even now I'll probably turn on Benetti and Steve Stone for a little bit. Um, you know, I've heard Steve Stone talk a lot about Cubs in my life, but you know, it, it's not gonna be the same without Hawk. And I do miss Hawk Carlson. I wish he was around to call some ball games. Talk about talk about things I don't miss. Poster child for things I don't miss. Well, Randall, I'm eagerly anticipating when Hawk is a guest on Joe West's podcast. Yes. And you get a chance to listen to that. Whether or not you download that, Randall, you know damn well, Jeremy and I will make sure you hear every single second of that podcast if we got to rebroadcast it to you using the voice apps. You're going to hear the whole damn thing. Uh, you see, it's funny. You think I have to listen to those as if it's not something I can just very easily wipe away. It, yeah. Hawk going on Joe West's podcast would be great. I love it when things that I don't need and don't want congregate in one place because that makes them easier to ignore. Oh, we'll be playing in the car. Anytime we see you, Randall, that would just be playing. So you won't be able to avoid it. Good luck with that. Well, Jeremy, it looks like there's plenty of tickets. The Cubs are doing everything they can to get more people out to Wrigley Field, including for Cubs Sox. So I think you're going to be out there. Just do us a favor. Do not end up on the uh, MLB Fights Twitter account. <laughs> I know there's going to be some of that at Wrigley Field this week, so keep it easy, all right? I feel like those are disproportionately in Colorado I, every time I see them. I would have guessed Los Angeles. I feel like Los the Dodgers Angeles are too. on that thing all the time. Dodgers fans love to fight. They yeah. love it. It's it's like a rite of passage out there, man. You go to Dodger yeah. Stadium, you bring gloves. Oh. Somebody's ready to yeah. throw down. Uh, but, yeah, there's some weird things that happen in Colorado. There was a nasty fight last year. A uh, guy got knocked out cold. Like, what kind of an asshole do you have to be to go to a Major League Baseball game and end up throwing punches? Like, really going at it and – boxing somebody in the seats at a ball game there's kids around you there's old people around you like I, I got no patience for that uh i got a funny story on that front um maybe even shared it last podcast but uh there are some strange people that you're going to see out at the ballpark for sure they don't don't end up like the uh, the mets fan in philadelphia who got his phone yanked away from yeah. him had it had it tossed onto the field and had the gentleman with the with the just just triple thick philadelphia accent shouted him call me when you get your phone back Philly fans, there's a city Oof. that uh, they'll go at it, too, for a ball game With anyone, uh, for any reason. Did I share this? I can't remember if I shared this last week on the show. I ran into a former student who works at Coors Field. Did I tell you what his job is? You did not. You did okay, not. You know, maybe I told this in class the other day, and, and not to you guys. Uh, so I ran into a former student who took my class in the fall. I saw him when I was at those four games at Wrigley. I'm like, you know, what's your job, or what are you doing here at the ballpark? He is responsible for kicking people out who are smoking pot in their seats. So you can't do that in the ballpark. You're obviously not allowed to sit in your seat and light up, but that's his responsibility, Randall. He's the guy that walks around Coors Field. If you light up a joint while you're at your seat, he's an army vet too. He comes down to you, he escorts you out, and that's the end of your night at the ballpark. Interesting summer job. 
So he's the high council, basically. <laughs> exactly right. He's the high council. Uh, spent some time uh, in the Middle East. Now he's at home telling the potheads to take it easy. Almost the there's a lot of them out there, right? A lot of potheads? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, What's that? Uh, I just remember from a Simpsons reference, uh, potheads. When he reads it, he reads it as potheads. P-O-T-H-E-A-D-S. It's... It's, yes, a big part of it, but it's one of those things, you know, there are places you can get away with it in the ballpark. There's places that you can't, and your seat, of course, is one of those places that they come down pretty hard on you. Uh, but two off days for the Cubs this week. Monday night here, as we're recording, Thursday night, another one after this Cubs-Sox game. So, Randall, a chance for you to cleanse yourself as the White Sox get out of the ballpark. But it's not going to get any easier this weekend. The Los Angeles Dodgers coming in day game Friday day game Saturday, and then, Randall, I know this one grinds your gears. Sunday night baseball for the Cubs, right before a red-eye flight to San Diego before they play three against the Padres. That and is not great. That is what I was going to note earlier where I, I raised my hand to say something and then waved you off. That, that's silly. ESPN shouldn't be allowed to do that, and we, we all have a lot of problems with ESPN and with Sunday night baseball. ESPN should not be allowed to take – a night, a, a what is a scheduled day game or the getaway game in a series like that and make it into a night game before one of the teams has to fly off on a red. They, they shouldn't be allowed to do that. The, the league should be allowed to tell ESPN, no, this is not the game to do that on based on the travel. They, they should be allowed to do that or shouldn't be allowed to do that. And it's just silly that they have that much input. I was thinking too, because the Phillies were on the last two Sunday night games. And I was thinking about Schwarber, and I, I really like the Phillies. Like, I enjoy watching them play this year in particular, but that sucks too, right? Like, two Sunday night games over the course of a week, that's really pushing it. And I'm with you, Randall. It's just odd that the Cubs have two off days here, one today, one Thursday. Then they've got to do the Sunday night game followed by the red-eye flight and three games in San Diego. I just think it's really ironic, Randall, that you've got two off days this week, Monday and Thursday. You like, You need another day off after a two-game set with the White Sox. Then you play the Sunday night game before you got to fly halfway across the country and turn around and play three games against a very good team in San Diego as well. The road trips out West are never easy. Never. Right? That, that's tough to go to LA or San Francisco or San Diego, but to do it after a Sunday night game, that, that does piss me off as a fan, as it pissed me off that the Phillies had two straight Sunday night games. I don't think that's fair for them either that you've got to play two of these Sunday night games in consecutive weeks. There's lots of good teams in baseball. ESPN chooses to highlight certain teams. And that's basically the only upside of the Cubs not being a particularly good or exciting team is that ESPN, for the most part, is going to keep their their slimy paws off of them. You know, it's not going to matter in the long run. And these these guys are professionals. They'll handle it. And boy, it's not as if, you know, this is going to be the reason the Cubs don't make the playoffs. It, it, it's just silly, though. It's, it's entirely avoidable is all. It'll be a six-game road trip for the Cubs, too. Three in San Diego, they'll get a breather, and then three in Phoenix down at that ballpark uh, before coming back home. So interesting stretch of baseball here for the Cubs, but not a super productive April. Uh, this homestand, though, Randall, two with the White Sox, three with the Dodgers, going to feature a little bit of early May Chicago weather. And our buddy at Cubs Weather, Alexander Hall, stopped by earlier tonight for an interview, and while we had him, we asked him to give us the forecast. So let's check that out here with Alexander Hall. All right. So this is the Cubs weather forecast for the White Sox two-game series, May 3rd and 4th, which is Tuesday and Wednesday. Both games are at 6.40 p.m. And uh, Tuesday, we do have a chance of a light shower, probably going to be closer to drizzle. Uh, temperature in the mid-40s. Um, 
So maybe an outside chance at a delay early. I think any drizzle or light rain will not bother us too much. I don't think the game is in threat of being postponed. But just watch out for that. Maybe throw a poncho in the bag on your way to the park. Wednesday, uh, drier but still cool um, in the mid-40s. And as far as the winds go, uh, in from left field or center field, 20 to 30 miles per hour on Tuesday. And Wednesday, in from center field or right field, 5 to 10 miles per hour. So two chilly games with the White Sox. Uh, the first one, a little drizzly. I think they're both fine, generally. Just cold and kind of dementory. Um, the next, uh, then we have an off day Thursday, which is great because it's going to rain uh, maybe even quite heavily Thursday in Chicagoland. Uh, so might have kind of a saturated ground for the Dodgers series start on Friday. Uh, we may still be dealing with some showers exiting Chicagoland on Friday. And it's these are uh, day games, Friday and Saturday, 120 starts. So Friday afternoon, I'm watching exiting showers right around game time. So depending on the exact timing of this system, if it's, you know, we're still a few days out, five days out, four days out, if it slows down just a pinch, uh, it could be kind of an annoying, uh, you know, early game, maybe, maybe some delays possible. Um, I was, as I was looking at the models uh, this evening, I thought, hmm, this could be, this Friday game looks like a candidate to maybe push the game back to nighttime. I, like if the Cubs are going to start to be real flexible with this stuff, uh, if the system Friday slows down a bit, maybe that would be a consideration because it does look like it will clear out eventually on Friday evening. Uh, so we're looking mid fifties there Saturday, mid fifties, uh, bright sunshine and, um, and uh, Sunday as well, uh, sunny and 66. So we're going to be warming up, uh, gearing up for a bigger warm up into early next week. So this Dodgers series looks pretty good as well. Maybe some showers early Friday. Uh, and then we're slowly warming up 57 and then 66, uh, maybe even hitting 70 during the game on Sunday. So Saturday and Sunday are exquisite. Uh, I, I don't know if that Sunday night game is probably, uh, that's probably Sunday night baseball on, that's probably an ESPN game. Uh, woo. Um, but yeah, Saturday and Sunday look great. Friday, a little questionable early, but it should be fine. Uh, winds are going to be in from right field Friday, in from uh, 15 to 25, in from right field Saturday, 10 to 20. And then finally, we switch to a southeast wind and start our warm-up process here on Sunday, getting into the mid-60s on a southeast wind, which is out to left field or left field corner 10 to 15. So that is your White Sox and Dodgers Cubs weather forecast. All right. Awesome. Alexander there. Wonderful. Giving us the forecast from the man himself. And if you like that little snippet of Alexander Hall, we've got more coming this week. Thursday night, we're going to release what was probably about a 45-minute interview or so with Alexander that we did a little bit earlier tonight. We talked about the Cubs weather that they've had to deal with here in April, what to expect as they pivot into May. Then we got into a wide variety of interesting things from the Farmer's Almanac to whether or not it's good or bad or fair that the Cubs have been changing around some start times for some of these ball games in anticipation of bad weather. So really good stuff. At Cubs Weather is the Twitter account. 
at Alexander Hall. We will get that out on Thursday during the off day. Um, Cubs have made some roster moves here. Last time on the show, we were speculating, all right, what are you going to do here? When you get to May 1st, you got to reduce the roster size a little bit. Two moves here. Ethan Roberts to the injured list. Jeremy, that was something that you were sort of speculating about. It was either Iowa or the injured list for him because, frankly, Ethan Roberts been rocked a little bit the last couple of outings. Yeah, he has not been the best as to what we've hoped for. He's kind of struggled a little bit in, uh, you know, pitching in the major leagues. He, he's shown some good stuff. There's been a couple of times where it's like, wow, those are some really wicked sliders that he's gotten some swings and misses on. But overall, hasn't really been, you know, the best time for best go around him in, uh, in, in, in the majors. And hopefully, maybe it's because he's been hurt and maybe he just needs time a little bit time off to get it all sorted out a little bit. Maybe he'll do a rehab stint, come back, and we'll we'll see uh, a, a more of an Ethan Roberts because he has great stuff. There's no question yeah. about that. He just really needs to kind of, you know, locate a little bit more. And, you know, he, sometimes he's just a little too wild there, so he doesn't get the chases we want. But uh, it's unfortunate. But, you know, I think he was the guy that made the most sense that was not going to be around when whether it be you know he i thought he'd get options but the fact that he went to the il makes me think he is legitimately hurt yeah we correctly predicted the outcome just for the wrong reason right but he did have that three strikeout relief appearance the other day too so he's been very good sandwiched between some not so good and he's got 10 days to see what's going on and and maybe he'll be back on the active roster or as you said jeremy with options maybe he goes down to iowa Another roster move for the Cubs here pertaining to uh, the bullpen. Left-hander Randall, one of the great named Cubs, I think, in recent years. Lock St. John back down to AAA. Very brief stint back with the Cubs here, but he goes back to Iowa on that minor league shuttle. Yeah, Lock Lock St. John, you know, that'll go down as one of the great Cub names. I hope he doesn't go down as like a longtime Cub because I think if Lock St. John is – on the team for longer than a short stint, then it means you don't have a whole lot of better options, but sure. In another, you know, hundred episodes or so, when we're naming, naming all time, great cub names, lock St. John will absolutely come up uh, on that list. And, you know, maybe the Cubs will get uh what, 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 what conference is St. John's in is uh, that big the, East. the big East? Yeah. You know, I can never keep track. Big East, a 10, whatever. Maybe they'll get lock uh, all the other schools in that conference and they can, they can form their own little big East right Locked there. In the Cubs bullpen. Exactly. Locked to Paul. I mean, that, that sounds like a Cardinals reliever Cardinals well, left-handed reliever locked to Paul <laughs> 30th round pick comes in and strikes out the side for his first career save. Uh, so maybe, maybe they can form their own little big East in the, in the Cubs bullpen someday. The fun thing is, and I've learned this from watching the movie of you to a kill, uh, uh, which is a uh, James Bond movie from the eighties that apparently the way you pronounce this name in England would be Sinjin. 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 Yes, I yes. didn't know that. And I, and I knew, yeah, it's Sinjin. And I, I learned that because uh, Roger Moore's alias, uh, when he's going undercover for something, he's, it's and he says it so like snottily. It's James Sinjin Smythe. And I was like, what? The? And he showed his business card and it said St. John. I'm like, what the? What is Sinjin? How do you get Sinjin from St. John? But apparently it's Sinjin. Same way you get Lieutenant from Lieutenant. You know, they, yeah. you, just, you just can't, you just can't figure what the language does. I actually knew that. Actually, did know that. I learned it from a comic book, which uh, honestly, all things considered, it's probably about the same 
is learning it from a, a from James, James Bond, Bond film. Yeah. yeah. Uh, having never heard his name said in a broadcast before, he's been with Texas. You know, I don't watch a whole lot of Rangers games. I actually was a little curious whether he was Locke Sinjin, but no, he's he's American. It's Locke St. John. Yeah. I looked at his baseball reference page to see. It, it just in case. Just in case. Yeah. Man, it's a funky language. And I was thinking about that a little bit yesterday. Randall uh, was out on a little hike saw some nature and it got to thinking i've brought this up in the past jeremy uh, you've said this as well you got a flock of a flock of goose becomes geese yeah. a pack of moose is not meese no it not is meese. not no it is not doesn't They're make not any damn sense so none piece yesterday going why isn't moose I, meese i got more i mean a house or excuse me a mouse is a mice a louse is lice houses are not heists they're not nice. <laughs> They're not nice. Well, uh, I got some more useless stuff for folks. This one uh, pertains to April 27. It was my birthday here a couple of days ago. I got to thinking, what have the Chicago Cubs done on April 27? And Jeremy, you get to play along in this game as well because your birthday is coming up in June and certainly eager to hear how the Cubs have fared on your birthday. Randall, you are excluded from this game. I am. January birthday here. You don't know what it's like to feel a win on your birthday. That is 100% correct. You, you can look at the Cubs record at the Cubs convention, and I guess it's just all wins and like one loss, that being 20, 2020. We'll call that a loss at the convention. Yeah, no, no, the Cubs don't do a whole lot of playing on my birthday, and frankly, that is bullshit. Yeah, oh, should get a January game, uh, January 1-3. But my birthday, April 27, I was born in the great year of 1987, good year for the Hawk. Cubs did not play on the day that I was born. So I did not bring in good news or bad news. I came into the world and the Cubs said, we're not playing today. We're going to give that one a break. In my life, though, Randall, take a guess. Do the Cubs have a winning record or losing record on April 27? I'm going to say winning record. Only because there have probably been a lot of Cubs teams in history that were okay in April and then they cratered. So I'm going to say winning record, but I'm saying it's going to be close. Like I think they're pretty close to 500 still with a winning record. Jeremy, any thoughts? I'll go with the winning record. I'll be optimistic. I'll say we, we do good work on your birthday. I would say that you're both right. Cubs, the Cubs 16 and 13 on April 27, going back to 1987. This was surprising to me. Four and one at home. 12 and 12 on the road. So overwhelmingly in my life, the Cubs have played road games on my birthday. Longest winning streak in my birthday from 2012 to 2019. Cubs won a stretch of six ball games. There were a couple of no games. In fact, they didn't play a game on April 27 in either 2016 or 2017. But from uh, 2012 through 2015, wins against the Phillies, the Marlins, the Brewers, the Pirates, fouled it up with a win against the Brewers and the Diamondbacks before losing in Atlanta last year. Obviously, they won this year on my birthday, April 27. Um, longest losing streak in my life three times. Happened on two different occasions, from 1992 to 1994, and then from 2008 to 2010. But overall, Cubs, good on my birthday, 16 and 13, very good at home, 4-1 and one record, 12 and 12 on the road. And one game that I wanted to highlight, the lone time in my life the Cubs have played the Cardinals on April 27. You're going to like this one, Randall. Five to three in favor of the Chicago Cubs. The winning pitcher in that ball game, Jason Marquis, and a home run for the Cubs in that ball game, Felix PA. So, what year was that, Randall? 2007. 2007, April 27, in front of 45,000 people at the Bush Stadium, two hour, 53 minute game. 
The Cubs win 5-3, to three, and I thought that was a game that I wanted to highlight. Ryan Dempster getting the save in that ball game. Come on, Dem. Getting a home run from Aramis Ramirez in that victory. But anytime Felix P.A. gives you a birthday present of a home run, you're going to remember that forever. And in this case, Cubs W back in 2007. You had birthday P.A. instead of birthday cake that year. Right. That's right. It was a good one, though. Um, but very fun and nice to see some wins in the last decade or so. Um, it started off pretty bad, a bunch of losses when I was too young to remember it. But the last 10, 12 years or so, Cubs have been pretty good on April 27. Let's just hope for some more home games, though. I was really surprised by the disparity. 24 games on the road, just five at home, going back to 1987. Yeah, I mean, uh, hey, you got to do good work on the birthday. So I think so. Well, your birthday's coming up June 6th. And I'll be excited to hear how many wins, losses, home road. Maybe you pick a notable game in that stretch. Uh, Randall, I think the closest equivalent that I could think of in your life would be a half birthday. I'd say a trade or a free agent acquisition that happens on January 13. That that's as close as you can get to W in January. You know, that that's something to probably look up on baseball reference, and perhaps I'll have to look into that is transactions to have occurred on January 13th. See if I can filter that by Cubs. I'll work on that. Maybe, maybe we'll we'll uh we'll look into that for uh 2023 as we go through that offseason. Hopefully an offseason with no or few COVID disruptions and no work stoppages. When do you celebrate your half birthday? Is that uh, July? I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure it's July. I'm pretty sure it's July 13th because that is six months after January. January is month number one. Six months goes to seven. Seven is July. July 13th is my half birthday. So we can look right. into that as yeah. we get closer to the time. I, I'll celebrate anything, Randall. You are a celebrator. You are a celebrated yeah. celebrator. Well, let's celebrate number 67, Randall, our 67th podcast. What Cubs have worn 67 over the years? Not many, Ronan. In fact, it's exactly two, and it's not even two players and maybe a handful of coaches. It is two players exactly. Pitcher Suyoshi Wada, of course, from Japan, wore it for the Cubs in 2014. And then Alfonso Rivas, a favorite of this show, wore it in his major league call-up last season, and he wore it to start this season until switching to number 36, which is a much better number for a position player. Uh, I'm glad he switched out of 67. I'm okay with higher numbers on pitchers and position players. I need a little bit of traditionalness. I don't know if that's a word, but uh, so I guess of those two, Alfonso Rivas is probably the better player, but uh, yeah, 67, not a whole lot of history there. Yoshi Wada. I remember, you know, him being with the Cubs. It's, they were trying a lot of, a lot of arms there in 2014. Yeah. Jackson were. who was in coming out and go put in the bullpen. You still had Travis Wood out there. You had guys like Jacob Turner, you know, I, I was kind of high on him. I was like, get him out there. He's got a nice fastball. But Tsuyoshi Wada, he had, he had a couple good starts, and then he kind of faded away. But there was there was a little bit of period of time. I remember one night, I think we were at the Landmark. We were watching a Wada start, and there was a little period of time where things were going pretty well with him, and you were like, hey, maybe this guy could be a part of a good Cubs team. And so it went. And so uh, it went. <laughs> well, I, I think I remember Tsuyoshi Wada picked up somebody's credit card that they had dropped on the field and he, he gave it back to them. So that, that might be his career like a highlight. Fan or a yeah. Like a fan, like a fan had managed to drop their credit card onto the field, like over the fence. And he, as he was walking back to the dugout, he picked it up and he handed it back to the fan. So uh, that, that might be his career highlight um, for Siyoshi Wada. And in fact, I am correct in 2015, 
uh, in late May. Siyoshi Wada was walking back to the dugout after striking out the Padres in order, of course, and he spotted a credit card in the grass. He handed it back to a security card and the security guard um, handed it back to the fan who had dropped it. So I am correct. Again, the highlight of Siyoshi Wada's career. I mean, he had a 3-2-5 ERA that year for the Cubs, and he also started he started seven games for the 2015 Cubs and had a 3-6-2 ERA, but he, he was kind of faltering towards the end of that. Well, what else here before we wrap up? Anything else of note on the Cubs front? I got a off-topic question for you both, but anything else Cubs here before this homestand that is worth noting? You know, something I've, I've tried to remind myself this April, it, it's – I don't mean this like it sounds. It's not worth getting worked up over this team. And I'm, you know, I'm going to forget this. I'm going to forget I said this five minutes after I say it, but I don't know that this team is necessarily going anywhere. And as much as in the heat of a game, I, of course, um, am always 100% rational. And maybe that like 1% is less rational. You know, this is a season where this is at best a 2014 season where you're going to see kind of what players you have in the coffers and you're going to hope some minor leaguers come up and prove that they can be part of a good Cubs team. I I don't know that this is going to be a great Cubs team in the end. And I'm just trying to remind myself of that as they lose to various players on various teams, that it doesn't really matter. And again, I'm going to forget. I said this five minutes after I say it, but I think that's what this April has taught me. Yeah. Well, I guarantee you're going to forget it the first time. Somebody on the White Sox does something tomorrow, or there's a blow oh, absolutely. call, or something. I guarantee, I guarantee your guarantee. I don't, I don't deny it for a second. Well, Jeremy, have a good time out at the ballpark the next couple of days. I wanted to end with this though. Give me one reason to be excited or optimistic about the Chicago Bears draft this week. I saw none of the draft. I had a lot of other stuff going on. Read some of those reports afterwards. Yikes, Jeremy, am I missing something here? Do the Bears have a genius GM that fooled everybody, or is this a what the hell is going on on the lakefront again? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't really know what to think about this draft. Uh, they went defense heavy early, which is like, okay, but you know, you have a quarterback that you're trying to, you know, <laughs> help out a little bit. And then they basically just drafted all offensive linemen for a while, which I was actually okay with. It's like, you know, throw as many offensive linemen as you want at the problem, maybe some stick. They drafted my guy, Doug Kramer, uh, University of Illinois, Illini. You know, you got Io on the Bulls. We got Doug Kramer now going to the Bears. So, you know, I'm all for that. You know, Bears and the Illini have a long head, uh, a long, you know, history of the Bears were orange and blue because of Illinois, because George Hales went to Illinois. Um, so, but, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen them draft some help for Justin Fields. I mean, I know offensive line is help, but they didn't really draft many skilled player, position players, specifically wide receivers. Uh, they did draft one wide receiver, but he's, you know, supposedly more of a special teams kind of guy, fast, but not really a, a – and the one thing that did kind of get me – a lot the Bears had a very old draft, and I know a lot of college guys nowadays are older because there was the COVID year, the extra year, guys stayed around. So you you do have that to deal with, but like a lot of these guys are 23, 24 years old, turning 25. Like this wide receiver is gonna be 25 in a week next week. That's pretty old, you know, to be drafting and putting a for a team that's kind of tanking, you would think you want to build up, get some young talent in there, guys you could have, you know, because these guys might this could be their prime now. Um, so I'm a little skeptical of the age of some of these guys, but I don't know. We'll see. Maybe Ryan Poles. I always try to give the benefit of the doubt to a new guy. You know, he's coming in. He's going to bring in the guys he wants. Hey, I might not see it or agree with it, but maybe he's right. Maybe he knows everything until he proves that he's wrong 
and maybe that'll be in two, three years. I give him the benefit of the doubt. So we'll see. Maybe they, maybe he nailed everything. Yeah. I, I'm not real big on them going so defense heavy, you know, it, it's good that they got quantity, at least on the offensive line, but only taking one receiver when you need to give your quarterback weapons. I'm a little skeptical, but Jeremy said it best. You can never grade an NFL draft on in a week after the draft. You do have to give it two or three years. So, you know, give it two or three years and in, in 20, in 2024, 2025, we'll look back and we'll see what this draft class was like. I would have liked to see another receiver or two in that draft class though. I missed all of it, and I think it's good that I did. I, I didn't even recognize the names really as they were coming through, and that's fine. I'll see what team they've got in August, and it'll either be worth watching or it won't. But something that I do say, and maybe this makes me a snob, I'm going to say it anyway, who am I to judge? I don't understand these adults that fly across the country to go to a draft to watch names get picked and then to boo or to cheer. There's a lot of sporting events that I would go to that other people might be bored by, I have no interest, zero, none in attending the NFL draft ever. And I don't understand the draw of going there to watch a name get announced. So you can either boo or cheer. Not my scene. I, I just want to say, and it's very disappointing to me as a guy who, who, who grew up loving the draft. I, I feel like they've, and I, it's probably, you know, better for the NFL, I guess, because they're doing it. This, I feel like they've completely ruined it. I, I can't handle it anymore. I, I love watching it, but it's it's gotten too much for me. I liked it better when it was just, you know, hey, I, I would have watched it when it was in the hotel, like, ballroom in the early days. But I liked it better when it was in the theater in New York, and it was on Saturday. You woke up at, like, 11 o'clock and 10 o'clock. Draft started. You had three rounds, and the next day was three rounds on Sunday, and that was it. And it was like, you know, the there was none of this, like – concerts bands playing you have all these <laughs> guest announcers people you've never heard of it's like what is going on there's so much it's four days now it takes the first round takes five hours itself i i might be old man barking you know yelling at clouds but i i always thought like i i would have liked to have gone to the draft like just to see it once like you know in the theater like as an event like you know the first day the second day when it was in chicago i i thought i wanted to like you know i, I thought about going down there trying to get tickets but i couldn't get tickets to like the theater part and i didn't want to yeah. do all the other bs like crazy stuff so like to me it's i've always been disappointed in it it's like oh i used to be such a thing i loved uh for like that one saturday in april or and sunday and now I just, it's just, to me, it's just been completely ruined. I, it's hard for me to watch. Randall, will we see you out there at the, the next NFL draft painted in blue and orange cheering for the bears picks? You could not pay me enough. <laughs> yeah. Just always a bit of a weird scene, but Hey, people do their things. Here I am thinking of going to a Rockies nationals games tomorrow night, $5 and three cents this week for the midweek games for the Rockies. You pay the date. So today, or uh, $5.02, $0.03, cents, $0.04, whatever, that's how they're doing tickets. So It's a lot of good sense in the marketing department there. I'll be out there probably uh, looking at amazing Nationals team, right? But should be a good time. Uh, anyway, we will be back on Thursday with Alexander Hall of Cubs Weather. Fun chat that we recorded with him earlier tonight. We'll be back at some point after this homestand. Hopefully the Cubs put it together. They got the White Sox. They got the Dodgers trying to open up May on a better way than they played in April. For Jeremy and Randall, this is Ronan. We are on Twitter at the Wild Podcast. We'll catch you next time.